This podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to episode four of the She Can She Did podcast. How we're on episode four already, I have no idea, but there you go. If we haven't met yet, I'm Fee and I'm the founder of She Can, She Did, which in this instance means I'm the one asking the questions in this podcast. In this episode, I paid a visit to the one and only Heidi May in her rainbow-coloured studio situated in an old nunnery in East London. At 32, Heidi is the founder of Aesthetic Laundry, the confidence-boosting clothing brand renowned for its rainbow tassel jumpers and tracksuits, worn by the likes of Zoe Sugg and Fern Cotton, that champion the fact that everyone should feel comfortable and empowered being exactly who they are. From ongoing challenges with her mental health, the run-in with appendicitis that left her bedbound at her busiest time of the year last December, the challenges that present themselves when her creative streak refuses to cooperate with the day-to-day realities and admin involved in running a business, to the steps Heidi's taken to scale up aesthetic laundry going forward in a makeshift recording studio in her office bolstered by piles of jumpers on one side and hot pink fabric draped over a mannequin on the other side. The two of us sat down on a Tuesday afternoon a few weeks back to discuss the exhaustive, emotionally and physically draining, yet equally rewarding journey she's been on so far. Um, Heidi, shall we start with what your business is all about in your own words, please? Yes, it now feels the surroundings are very funny. We'll take a picture after and explain because it's quite hilarious. Um, So I am a fashion designer and I design and make my own clothing brand that I've been selling for about two years now, like running and selling for about two years. I quit my... How much do I need to say? I had a little tiny sentence then and I was like, oh, no, maybe that sounds really cool and concise. that's quite succinct. Ah, okay. That was was very succinct. We'll be done in two minutes now, I'm joking. I will. I (laughs) I mean, your style is so unique. Have you always dressed like this? Like, where did this kind of vision come from? So funny. So I have always dressed a bit weird. Well, not that that I think I dress weird now. But when I was... You're trying to sell it. When I... some weird clothes um when I was at oh no I have just a bit out there or slightly differently to my friends and when I was 11 I remember mum took me to the market and we could only afford do you know Snettishan market or something no. it was like this mile and a half long of really chavvy market clothes and whatever anyway it's my dream because we didn't have that much money going up so I every Sunday like my mum would take me to Snettishan market and I'd pick something amazing when I was 11 I had these wax trousers that were PVC dark blue trousers and my mum was like if you really want them you can have them and I was like yes mum <gasps> and I started working I must say so my mum didn't indulge me these things. I started working when I was 11 and then babysitting at the local pub just two hours per night on the weekends. So then all that money was spent on clothes. And then when I was in high school, my friend, I actually was, it's a really, she's not my friend now, but she was quite, yeah, she was quite mean. When I dressed a bit weird, so I had baggy combat trousers, aka All Saints era, All Saints and Spice Girls and whatever, um, baggy trousers and like a crop top, she would be like, I can't take you seriously like that. I'm not walking, I'm not going to be seen out with you. And she walked on the other side of the road because she was like, it's oh, really, so I was like, right, okay. Nice. So and she's not your friend now. She's definitely not okay. my friend now. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then that, I was like, God, I really want to, I wish there was people in the world who just let you be you kind of thing. So then that's what I went to another sixth form where I didn't know any of the girls 
there really. And then, then I felt a bit more, I could dress a bit more individual. And sometimes, it's so weird because sometimes I dress really out there and people are like, whoa, if I, if I wore that, I would look ridiculous. I've had that comment quite a lot. When I was used to work in industry, so all the older ladies would be like, if I wore that, I would look ridiculous. Or like, you look like a grandma. But in a nice way, you can pull it off. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment, but I'm going to take it. And then some days I dress completely like all in black so no one can see, you know, like I don't like to be a peacock, but then some days I do, so it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. That's so strange. I feel like I'm not doing it justice, but I'm today, but I'm normally, I love colour, so I'm always drawn to colour. I know what you mean though, there's days where you just think like, ooh, today's not the day for colour. Like I yeah. Today. You rein it in. It's yeah. It is strange, it's like internal, or if I'm feeling all right, and then the weather's rubbish outside, and yeah, I think, oh, yeah. I'm going to be a bit extra, and put on like a red jumper and a red skirt at the same time, you're like, pow, here I am. <laughs> and then when you look, because I used to say, well, it'd be I just try and make everything fun, so that when I look in the mirror when it's raining outside, I think, oh, I look really fun, and I cheer myself up. <laughs> I feel like we need more people like you, though. Aww. Right? <laughs> like, if it's a grey day and you see, like, a bright yellow... Yeah, you think, gosh, she's living the dream. She's living her dream and she's happy. Exactly. So you say this business is going for, what, two years? Talk yes. me through what you were doing beforehand, briefly, and then how you kind of set this thing up. So, it looks so much more established than a two-year-old business, in my opinion. Oh, that's so nice. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, so I was working for about four years uh, designing men's shirts for the UK high street shops. So in my mum and dad's eyes, I'd made it. You know, I'd just come out of uni. Um, what did you study? I studied fashion with manufacturing, marketing and promotion. God, that's a title. It's the right title. Ooh. Yeah, so it's <laughs> a mouthful. And I'm very like, oh, very proud of it now. But it was basically the course, a course that if you didn't know what you wanted to do, but you knew kind of that you wanted to work in fashion, or you didn't really know where, you kind of did that course, but it meant that you had to do like three times as much work. So I was like, oh. mm. um, So I did that, graduated from that. And I got in on my enthusiasm alone. <laughs> I was terrible. I never studied fashion before. When I was 18, I was like, yeah, I think I want to go to fashion school. And my tutors were all like, um, yeah, you haven't done fashion yet. And I was like, yeah, but I really, I love it. And I really want to, and I think I'm great. And I think I'd, you know, be able to do a really, really good job. Anyway, so fast forward till I came out of uni and then I waitressed for like two years. Mm -hmm. So like paying back my overdraft and everything from uni. And then I applied for a TV show and got onto that, which then moved me to London. And then... It was a TV show. It was Style to Rock with Rihanna. It was amazing. Got to meet Rihanna. She got me in a headlock once. She was my claim to fame. And she, oh my god! It I was... feel like a lot of men would pay good money for that. <laughs> <laughs> you had to have about six wristbands to go meet her. That you had to go through one door, and then through another door, and then through another door. And you had to have like, had all these wristbands on just to meet her. It was enough. Um, and then once I'd finished that, I thought, wow, like this is going to open the door for so many opportunities. And I was on the show for like, nine weeks. I came second, so I was there for the whole time, and not one person who I applied for, Arcadia or Miss Selfridge, or it was the same thing. But yeah, anyway would give me a job because they were like oh just because you've been on tv doesn't mean that and I was like oh no but I designed different week after week in like two hours we had to have a design made and the celebrity had to wear it or had to choose one to wear and it was really like la 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 and I've also got a first in fashion <laughs> please yeah, and they were like you've got you've got no experience no experience that has been the, the downfall of my entire not downfall but yeah my entire it's just the reality like, isn't it yeah That's just the kind of line that you hear a lot yeah no experience so I was like right okay and so then so I moved to uh when I was in London I was like sugar right I really need to make this work uh mum and dad have just paid for this big degree and I'm like oh, two years down the line and I 
fell into this job as a trial for two weeks and I said, I can just, I'll try it, but I've never designed men's shirts and I don't think I'll be very good at it, but I will happily step in. So I did it and the first day we got to make mood boards for the whole, they were like, you need to like do the direction for autumn, winter, 16 or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, I can do that, <laughs> cool. So I was like, oh my God, I remember ringing my mum going, mum, I'm being paid to make a mood board. This is the dream. And then fast forward to four years later and I just absolutely hated it. It was great for learning you know, how Experience. business works and going to meetings and getting to, you know, I got flown to New York to go to a meeting once and I was like, oh my God, it's it's amazing. But also it's very shit being yeah. in the industry. You, you're literally governed by numbers, what sells, what doesn't sell. So you can be as creative and enthusiastic and as, as enthusiastic about design as you like. But ultimately, if it didn't sell, something similar didn't sell like that last year, that's never ever going to make the high street. So, yeah. and you almost, I felt like, well, you don't need me and I'm not passionate about this. So I was like, I think I'm going to quit. And it was the eve of my 29th birthday. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to quit. I didn't tell anybody, anybody. And I was like, oh no, I really am. I really, really, it's burning in me, right, to quit. And so I, oh no, before that, sorry, Fee, sorry, everyone. Before <laughs> that, about a year before that, I tried to uh, branch out into women's wear because I was like, maybe it's just men's wear that I'm just not, you know, grasping. Company. I went back to Arcadia and I was like, right, I've got three years in industry now and I really want to work for you, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, look, Heidi, like you're, we've gone straight up to the top. Everyone loves your portfolio and your work, but you've just got no experience in women's wear. Oh, come on. Oh, I was like, are you mad? Like, I was, right, okay, I'm, I want this so bad, like, so bad. So I was like, right, so every week or so, whenever I could, I'd make an outfit myself and document it. So, like, for every day for a year, I took photos of my outfit and I had at least one item of clothing in it that I'd made. And so I then put this in a big document and then uh, sent it to them. And I was in Topshop and someone at the Topshop staff asked me where my jumper was in store because she thought I worked there. And I was like, it's mine, it's my jumper, I made it. Like, I'm in Topshop, this is where I want to design. And they're asking me where it is it's just yeah and they were like no sorry you've we love all your ideas your style and your aesthetic is exactly what we look for you just haven't got any experience I was like right I can do this myself and but meanwhile the best thing about that rejection is um everything's a positive absolutely best thing about that rejection is that for the year everybody who was seeing the clothes that I'd made were like oh that's really interesting oh, that's really you should sell that you should make one of those I'd have you one of those it's on Instagram I presume uh yes and then I, you know, I didn't have a following or don't, I had like 200 followers, that was it. But you just got to still put yourself out there, you got to start from scratch. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I can do it. And I, 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 I can and I will. I can and I will. <laughs> so I was like, right, something. It sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? It I'm does. Like, I sometimes listen to like, she can, she did. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, it's such a good name. And I don't get me wrong, I love it. But sometimes I say it loud and I'm like, God, it's cheesy. <laughs> I can and I will. She can, yeah. she did. And you're going to have the ex-voice when you're, like, super famous, taking over the world. You're going to have the ex-factor man introduce she you, like, she can and she she, she could <laughs> and she did. <laughs> Fiona. So funny. Oh, <laughs> Don't, no, you'll be so famous, you don't even need to say it. So, yes, quit my job in secret and had no money or anything. And I was like, right, I'm just going to make a few pieces. Got my friend to model them. And then, yeah, that was... It really just slowly started snowballing from there. And I just was like, well, I'm going to use everything I can that I've learned to make this look as professional as possible, which was actually my downfall because I built up this facade for like the first year, I built up this facade that it was, there was teams of people <laughs> running for me. Not that I was any good at that, you know, that sounded really braggy, but I don't mean it to be. No, no, no. But because my Instagram was so clean and so polished and I spent absolutely every waking hour making amazing, I taught myself how to make GIFs online using Photoshop. And then I taught myself how to do flat lays. 
never done that before. And I kind of tried to do, this is a massive lesson, is that I try, kind of tried to do everything, like to be a content creator, to be a marketer, to be a voice, to be a, and then I was like, I'll just be my own influencer as well. So I was trying to create outfits and looks of aesthetic laundry on my personal one and then drip feed, oh, aesthetic laundry, follow this. And I was so exhausted, but that went on for a good year and a bit. There was someone was like, you don't need to do it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what do you know? You don't know anything. I'm it on this. It's so tr- funny though, because I think looking at everyone I've interviewed, everyone does that at the beginning. I feel yeah. like it's kind of your entry into business you almost have to do that do you know what I mean and have a a feeder of everything and try everything out and then you hit that point where you're like okay I literally I can't do it all I'm in that kind of bit at the moment where I'm like I know I've got to outsource something because it's like there's so many balls in the air and I'm like oh my Christ like I can't I can't do it like how many plates do you want to spin before yeah Yeah, but what plate do you give away yeah exactly but I do think that it's one of those learning curves isn't it that you do hit a point and you're like okay yeah I I cannot do it all yeah. So when that reality hit you, how did you deal with it? Oh, I was very, very resilient into letting anybody help. I knew my brand inside out <laughs> and nobody could love it as much as me. So I ha- I'm very lucky that I have my parents and my brother and my friends and family are all very supportive. So that was the biggest thing. I started asking my parents to make tassels at their house because they take such a long time to make. And so I get fabric now shipped to my parents' house and then because I know that I can tell them exactly, you know, be brutally honest with my parents, exactly how I want them cut, how I want them done. How- and then I get little jiffy bags in the mail that they vacuum packed to like make it so they can send more. They're so cute. And then like business-wise and since my boyfriend I'm very lucky that he does strategic business management that sort of thing so he's like wait you need to do this and then you need to do this and think about that and think about that and I'm like no but now I'm like please help me please please tell me the next step that I need to be doing please tell me this and he really helps with the logistics and then saying actually maybe and he looked for a seamstress for me when I was like nobody can sew like me not that I'm good at you know no one cares enough or I don't want to go to a factory and I had all these things in my head and I was he was like let's just see shall we let's just see I was like okay and as soon as someone sort of holds this is really like embarrassing but as soon as someone sort of holds my hand and shows me physically like this is what can happen and I was like oh okay awesome and now I have a seamstress like external seamstress that if I'm really busy then she then does like loads of sewing for me and I'm like oh it's amazing (laughs) so if you can just let that silly though I always call them like a safety blanket like those people around you that genuinely you can fall back on when you're having like days where you're stressed or whatever and they can pick you up and they can say no 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 it's gonna be okay yeah do you find with with your boyfriend being like the logistics kind of head I I was going to ask you this anyway but being a creative how do you find that kind of it's so so difficult I have no idea he keeps saying you need to come up with the business model then I can help you better and I said I can't do it it's like looking at white and telling me it's black I can't do it I said it's not because I'm being lazy I just don't understand and uh he's taking a really long time for us both because he's very very logic and yeah. very, very spreadsheet. And the opposites attract. Yeah, I know. Then I'm like, ring, I want to do this. And then what if I want to bring it out in this colour? And he was like, okay, let's just start with the spreadsheet. And I'm like, not again, like head in hands. And I said, please, can we make it fun? Like at least have friends on in the background or something. And he was like, Heidi, I'm trying to help. How are we still together, honestly? Anyway. <laughs> I'm a creative, so I just pick loads of different styles. And I said, well, I kind of want to do that, but then I might want to do it on this one as well and have an extra sleeve or like a really long sleeve on that one. And then some of my customers want like longer jumpers, some prefer smaller fits. So I need to have all these different fits. And he was like, right, so just tell me exactly what you want. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't. And then that's a bad habit. It's good and bad because it's helped my business grow. 
I've been so reactive to customers that I catch myself out because I can't grow because I'm being too reactive. Mm. And then, so if someone says, oh, I want a purple jumper, and I'm like, and then they said, oh, would it come in blue? And I was like, yeah, I can make you a blue one. Because sometimes when you're a year in business or a year and a half in, you have to make a sale. And sometimes that sale means buying your groceries for that week. So you do say yes. So I've had a lot of occasions where I have said yes, 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 I'll do that. And then bent over backwards and then gone halfway around London looking for this white fabric to make this jumper in white. And I remember having no money, like nothing left in the bank. And I just, just I didn't want to ask mum and dad for anything. I was like, right, what can I do? And this this lady messaged me on Instagram, like, hi, I hear you do these jumpers. Can you make me a white one? I was like, yes. I went all around London finding it. Um, paid like double or treble the, t- the amount of what I normally pay for. Made it, uh, sent it to her and she sent it back the next week. And I was like, yes. And I went and bought groceries. Had I not have done that, there has been weeks where I couldn't afford gro- like shower gel or anything. Like, I was just like, I can't, oh, I don't, my can't physically. I didn't ask last summer. Asda. And everyone looked at me in the queue like, are you fucking joking? And I was like... <laughs> and you know what? Thankfully, I'd had it by text from my bank saying, you know, it's not looking good. <laughs> and so I knew I had to get some stuff. And I borrowed 20 quid from my boyfriend just in case. And so thankfully, when the card got declined, I was like, oh... It's OK. <laughs> Here's some cash. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I have no idea what's happened to my card. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, in my head, like, oh, my God, that's bad. Yeah. But I do think... I don't know about you, but for me, they're the kind of moments that you absolutely dread. But life happens, it's scary, but you deal with it. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, that gave me the kick up the bum. And then yes. I was just like, okay, I need to get a sponsor really quick. You know, you put, it's almost... Oh, very clever, getting a sponsor. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. I'm like, such a good idea. No, um, but do you know what I mean? They're the kind of things where it's like, it's so shit, the thought of not being able to pay your bills or whatever. But at the same time, when that reality hits you deal with it yeah you know what I mean like things work out and I think that it's like good to know that actually it will be okay like the worst case scenario yeah. even when you're in it it's like okay no you can deal with it something yeah. happens and out you come funnily enough another another poor story but it's really nice that's so fine so my one of my very good friends Rhiannon from I Make Knots she invited me to one of her workshops uh, and I went and I was like oh, I actually have no money in my bank and I was like yeah I'd love to come and she was very kindly saying I could go for free and I was like I can't miss this opportunity so I was like I have to do it so I made sure I got the bus because I couldn't afford going to the tube so I it took me like an hour and a half to get there and then I got there and then I met this other lady there and we, she goes oh let's all have drinks after and I was like, great, because it was an amazing networking experience and I didn't want to let, you know, and I thought, I can't be rude, she's just given me a, you know, a class for free. And I was like, oh gosh, and I'm still learning to get friends in this industry, and you know, that kind of thing. So we went at the bar and they said, let's have a bottle of Prosecco. And I was literally like, oh, I can't, I can't pay for this, I can't pay for this. I have no money in my bank account. And so she got the first one and brought it to the table and we were all having a lovely Aww, time. And then it's, rounds, it's, and always, then it's, it's yeah. Stressful. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And then the other lady had gone to the toilet. So I was, I, she goes, oh, should we get another drink? And it, obviously I had then had to. So I remember going to the bar and be like, yeah. And I had about 8% battery on my phone. I just texted my boyfriend, like, please transfer 40 quid in my bank. I'll explain when I get home, please, please, please. And he PayPal'd it over and I just switched my PayPal and the bartender was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was trying to, if, and then I was like, please don't die, battery, please don't die oh, on my phone. Oh. And that moment, and then Rhiannon, and like, she would have been absolutely fine if I'd have just said, look, I'm so broke. I cut, you know, you know, when you don't know people that well and so you're still trying to make pride. a good impression yeah, and yeah. it's, yeah, pride. Honestly, I found the kind of money side of things because, you know, I went cold turkey. It's what everyone says you shouldn't do. And I can so see why now, but, you know, fuck it, like you learn. But <laughs> I, I genuinely was the friend that used to, if we went out for a meal, I, like, I was on a good salary, I'd pick up the bill. And when um, my um 
ex, we, when we met, I was obviously in that job, so we'd kind of, I'll pick up a tab, or I, like we kind of took it in turns. And you suddenly then become you suddenly dependent just, yeah, almost on And I remember when that all went, it was the hardest thing for me, was the money. Yeah. Not from a material point of view, I literally couldn't care less about the not buying clothes. Yes! Anymore. But it was just that, oh my God, I cannot offer to buy drinks yeah like, yeah someone would say let's go for dinner instead of coffee and i'm like no just coffee like yeah <laughs> i know that i'm gonna pick up the tab like and it's just that kind of thing and it's just for me i, I don't know about you it's all worth it in the end but at the time oh my god it's hard oh it's awful yes it really is and maybe it's because i'm a workaholic and only talk about work but i <laughs> some of my friends they're still dear friends but they stopped inviting me out purely because i'd always be like oh yeah like oh this is gonna cost this is like two meters of fabric yeah, this one drink person, or like do you? you don't want to oh, be that person yeah. no but you i then built a network of people on instagram that uh, like-minded and love talking about business and love like pushing each other and i'm like oh yes like yeah, yeah, it's great yeah um, Let's talk about that. So you mentioned the network, but you've also mentioned your customers. Yeah. When you decided to properly launch this, what did your kind of marketing strategy, in inverted commas, you might not I have love, one? No, I love the fact that you said that you've properly launched it because I still feel so new. I've got very exciting news, which I was going to wait, but then I was like, I'm just going to say. exclusive. It's exclusive. But I have very, very exciting news. Uh, so I have just, it's really scary. We've just got a bit of funding and I have got my first employee, full-time employee, starting in two months' time. Oh my she God, hasn't handed her notice in. So this is when it should start. Like, uh, this whole, basically this whole time, I feel like I've been winging it. Yeah. And um, trying to do everything and sort of scrambling around and be like, this is my customer, yay, this is my customer. And actually, I really don't know who my ideal customer is. I mean, I think it's a cool person who head turns your head when you walk past. That is what I want my customer to be. For her to feel confident in my clothes, that is about as far as I know my customer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I kind definitely. of just, and I, I get always like hate the question if someone says, "Who's your ideal target customer?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. If you like it, you like it." And everyone's like, "No, you've got to be so directional. You've got to know inside and out. You need to be able to tell me their favorite breakfast cereal. Yeah, you know, that's the where thing. they like I to shop." I um, interviewing someone that really caught me off guard with that once. She named her customer. The customer had a name. She lived in Surrey. She had, I think, like a two dogs, three kids, but they were at uni. That was her customer yeah. that she'd been told. And I found it so like amazing. I was thinking, oh, who's my customer? Like uh, To me, it's like women in their teens, 20s and 30s. Yeah, like, I'm like, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Everyone is my customer. Yeah, yeah. everyone. But yeah, it's, it's very difficult to know your customer. And there's not just, there's never just one. If you gave her a name, what would it be? Oh, it would be something really cool. Yeah, definitely. Like Alexa. Yeah. Is cool? <laughs> Alexa, Alexa. Alexa just reminds me of that robot. Oh, the thing. little bit. I absolutely hate her. Oh, okay. No, not Alexa. Yeah. No offence. No. Alexa's listening. Where? <laughs> <laughs> if I had to have it, I can't think. That's terrible. I'm a creative and I can't think. Oh, God. What's an edgy name? An edgy name Esme. that's not... Is that edgy? Esme. No, it needs to be like a Courtney or a Britney or a Whitney. That's why I call my first job oh, a Whitney, because I was like, I want Whitney. to be confident. Whitney. Yeah. Whitney. And everything oh, was called... so you. Whitney. Okay, <laughs> Whitney Festival. Whitney this. Whitney. Okay, she's called that's Whitney. Strong. Yeah. And she's sassy... Oh, okay. She's sa we're, doing, we're doing this now. It's a bit of a okay. <laughs> Um she <laughs> We started, so we'll finish. I feel like everyone listening should work out what they're called. Yes. What audience is called. Yes. Okay. It's a little, that's a bit of homework for the podcast. I haven't done that before. Oh, my God, yes. So she is a bit insecure, and sometimes she feels... Basically, just me. Sometimes she's a bit of me, feels like extra, and you want to be a bit 
different and you don't want to dress in the same way as the high street and things like that. But she also, she doesn't swear in public. Whitney doesn't swear in public. But she appreciates a good sass, you know, and between her friends. But she's not very outspoken and really, like, I cringe at, not that there's anything wrong with it, but, like, boohoo, Miss 60, and they're all sassy and fierce and ugh, and I'm like, <gasps> that just terrifies me. I literally run something for, like, I literally can't say the word girl bosses and you know there's so much sass with that and I'm you've met me crying so I couldn't be more opposite like no, I, can't, I can't do it I I'm can't not, do it I'm not overtly sassy I appreciate someone's sassy comment yeah, I love it that's I funny it. and a bit yeah, yeah, but yeah. I cannot but I'll never be sassy way too much of a nerd I can't do that no no <laughs> look at my things on the wall I've written those to myself <laughs> what with the confident you do with two eyeballs like what for goodness the... sake but I Where need that the extra mile today? it's definitely not sassy have, what if you haven't gone the extra mile today that would be like oh go ahead yeah I leave and I'm like right I'll just read the would I confident for the record <laughs> I've got some posters <laughs> on the wall that say have you gone the extra mile I feel like you need to add your name to that so it's like really direct oh god what would the confident you do i don't care <laughs> i'm not going the extra mile should be <laughs> yeah. so apparently someone told me the other day to write 20 good things you like about yourself put it on the wall and they go you'll never regret it networking because you've said you've made some friends in the business talk me through how you approached that in the early days because ah. I remember feeling so vulnerable in those first few months because you know I'd started interviewing but I hadn't had the mingles yet I hadn't got that bigger wider circle didn't have kind of friends on Instagram yet yeah um, so it was just a case of managing that awkward situation where your friends don't really know what you're doing yet and like now they're yeah, fully on board but yeah, like yeah. those early days it's kind of like oh shit like what's for you it's really lonely at the beginning yeah. it's very lonely and then I just pop myself out there for a little bit I would go to a market and do a market and I'd find that terrifying and people think I'm quite an extrovert but really I'm so overwhelmingly shy sometimes I can barely get a word out so I would use that in the only way that I could. So I would go to an event, like I've been to a she, the first She Can, She Did event. I was so nervous to talk to anyone. I think I left early. I was having a really anxious day and I so desperately wanted to be like and I just, if I go to an event or a market or something, I will make sure I go and it's still painfully shy, would not speak to anyone. Even though I was there in a bright red tracksuit with rainbow tassels looking extra, couldn't oh talk to anyone. My advice for anyone listening would be to, if you are scared about going to these events and they are very scary, I'm not going to sugarcoat, either take a friend because you'll feel way better and if you see some people that you kind of like, just go up to them, A, be bold, but if not afterwards, make sure you go onto the page that you've got so she can, she did and then follow the people that you found really interesting and then follow them and just be like, oh, I would have actually loved to really talk to you but I was just actually really scared or like I was really Really nervous so slide into those yeah. dms and yes. just say i was really nervous what i really wanted to say and they'll go oh my gosh me, me too, too. Yeah. and then i was like, oh why didn't we that's so silly so then at the next one maybe you'll have conversation then it's not awkward and it's you don't so have true. i mean i was at a networking event last night and it wasn't one of mine so i felt like i was turning up on my own i didn't know anyone i get nervous i get it and the thing is is i would say 99 percent of the people at any networking event kind of think before they go oh shit i don't want to go i don't want to go i don't want to go but they force themselves oh, to go. Like, I, just, I always thought that was me. I don't no, want to go, I don't want to go. But I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go. People who do events should get everyone, as soon as everyone sat down or whatever, just say, everyone put their hand up who's come alone and doesn't know anyone, feels a bit shy. Okay, cool. And then everyone would be like, oh, okay then, cool. Now we all feel better. <gasps> Show should. Yeah, and if it drops like a bum, just be like, that wasn't my fault. Yeah, Heidi made me do it. What I admire about you, though, is the fact that you still go. 
you know what I mean? You still came, even though you were nervous. And I think, yeah. like, that's the thing. You have to make friends in business or you have to find the courage to message someone on Instagram and say, oh, I really like your work. Put yourself out there. Like, yeah. you might be introverted, but you've still launched a business. You've still got a brand. You've still marketed that brand. And I think that, yeah, you should take, give yourself more credit for that. This podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Let's move on, um, dum dum dum, to the dodgy days. Oh gosh. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I just want people to be very aware that it's quite rubbish sometimes yeah and it's not all what you see on instagram and very often that instagram is the best bits of what yeah. you're going through that's why i launched this babes yes so annoyed with it and i just think like for me if i look back at every single low point from she can she did the only things that keep me going are obviously up here like little pep talk you know like have a word for yourself um, yeah <laughs> but also knowing that everyone's in the same boat and i think it's so powerful knowing that everyone that i admire has had really shit days and I think we're talking about them is actually so powerful later down the line because you can fall back on everyone else's challenges and say, actually, if she's gone through that, sod it, you can do this. Yeah. It puts it into perspective. You know yeah. I mean? So go on. So first one would be, I get this quite a lot, actually. Like I would say once a month. Have you heard of imposter syndrome? Yeah. So I, a bit late to the party with that one, but now I know I've actually identified it as imposter syndrome. <laughs> but I will look and I'll be like, somebody's doing, already doing a tassel jumper. Someone did one last year, and now it's going to be over. That kind of thing. So what those days where I get really bad and I think someone else is doing what I do, I just literally pack up shop and I'll take a few jumpers with me and I will either go home or go out somewhere and then do a photo shoot with those jumpers or do a fun flat lay or like moulage them or something to make me fall back in love with... And then I go, oh, no, like I would do that. And, oh, my God, if I did that and I would do that. And, I would, and then I think, hold on, that's why. And I would almost have a word with myself. I'll go to the shopping and be like, no, look, your jumper would be this, this, and this. Or if you did that jumper, it would be that, that, and that. You have got something. But a lot of the time I feel like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Like, and then, like, be having, like, a colourful Instagram feed, for example. Like, people have, other people have, like, a big following who have very colourful Instagram backgrounds to their thing. And I say, should I do that? And I'm like, no, just focus on what you're doing. And you like the white background, you like this, just focus on that. But it's very hard to not sway. And then, so we've touched on this already, is that the no money thing. Be prepared to have no money. Be prepared to do whatever you can and to put money in. You, it will just take all of your money. And what I did, I did it with no funding so that I had to make money, enough to make my rent and stuff. Mm. So I live a very hand-to-mouth and still do until this next two months after, like, official aesthetic technology starts. But, yeah, so those days are really, really, really shit when you... I felt like it affected... If I have, like, loads of sales, I'll be bussing and I'll be so happy and my mood t- solely depends on whether I get sales or not. Mm. And then if I'm near the end of my overdraft, for example, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know how... I've got this big fabric order to buy and I've got to do this and oh Cash god I've got nothing yeah I've got no money and I think god why do I feel and I'm irritable and I'm grumpy and yeah. I feel like I feel rubbish and worthless it is, yeah it's so true I remember last year before the sponsorship came for the events the first three events were obviously not sponsored I remember going off and meeting all of these different women and some you know were earning silly money from businesses they've created and they were talking about you know knowing your worth and your value and stuff and it was that in-between stage for me and I just would walk away and have to like talk to myself be like one day like just keep fucking working yeah one day you'll get there lay the groundwork and it will happen but it just 
I remember just not feeling as confident in myself at all because I was so used to having money and so used yeah. to like having the kind of a job that look, looked amazing on paper and it was going back to that shit I've put myself in this situation mm-hmm. and I've only got myself to blame and I need to prove myself and that weight on your shoulders can sometimes feel so overwhelming like and it's just yeah. like, oh my god I'm skin like, I didn't think this would happen yeah <laughs> but at the same time I just think you know I'm so grateful for that kind of experience in a way because it just puts things in perspective doesn't it definitely it's about knowing what your product is worth too really interestingly I used to make everything as cheap as I could because I thought oh people will buy it if it's cheap and then I'll make more money and actually I used to charge 23 pounds for my t-shirts that took me over an hour to make. And um, and then I was like, I'm actually making no money. After the summer, I was like, why didn't I push that T-shirt? Because people really did go crazy for it. But it was £23 and I hated and almost resented making it. And I was like, gosh. So until I almost doubled it to 39 99 So now I make a bit of money, but it's still an affordable kind of price point. I sold like 10 times as many. Like, it was crazy. And I thought, gosh, I thought people would never buy it. You just have to know your worth is the biggest thing. That's so true. I don't know if I made that point no, no, there very well. but You know, you did. And, and what about, you've, you mentioned the funding now, how did you go about getting that? Like, talk me through that experience. So, the I, th- fun- I think that people hear the word, oh, I've, I've secured funding, and everyone's like, <gasps> but actually there's, like, obviously a process, so... Well, I've spoken this classic code, it just tells everything, and then it's like, no. We haven't got all of the funding yet, but what we have done, we, ha- we have to move up, and we have to level up somehow. So my boyfriend got a loan... Very important lesson in funding in a second about if you go for funding, get as much as you can first because on your second round of funding, which you always inevitably have to have, this is my boyfriend speaking, not me, because I don't know this. He, he said that once you go for funding again, it will be really, really difficult to get a second round of funding because they'll obviously want to know all your statistics and why it hasn't worked the first time and why you haven't done this. So we've got a loan just to pay for my new employee, who is going to very much do. So we're doing um, a huge crowdfunding thing. We're meeting about it now, but obviously she's not working for me, so it's very difficult because we are so grassroots. But basically, once she joins, her first job will be to get more funding. So she'll be then working with him, and then they will be working on a plan to get more money. Whilst then I, my job, is to figure out manufacture and how that's going to... So whether it's all going to be in-house... Well, there's talk about us setting up a, a factory in Bangladesh, a very small, small cottage factory in Bangladesh, and... Ethical? Where, ethical, yeah, 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 100% ethical. Say, don't me as a no, 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 no. <laughs> That's where that trade is. And the people who live there do so well. And myself and my boyfriend have got connections there. So it would be very... But we're just trying to work out the logistics of getting it over here. Oh, I'm in turmoil a little bit at the moment because I want to be ethical and I want to be environmentally conscious and I want to also use really bright colours and I really like sparkly things and you can't do it all and I'm really struggling to find like I was like well I how can I make a clothing brand that isn't ethical at the moment I think I'm ethical because I you know anyone who works for me I pay them fairly and it's so difficult so this is what my new employee will be helping me do but that's now so like two years down the line if that makes sense yeah but you know what though it's good that you're thinking about it. So what if it's happening two years in and you're still giving it that attention that it deserves? Do you know what I mean? You're making the conscious effort to start thinking about it properly. It is so hard to tick all the boxes. Oh, I just want to make a brand that is good for people and does the right thing by people. I like the fact at the moment that it's 
made to order almost so I make very small batches and if they don't sell well then I'll take them home and then maybe we'll go to a market and sell them a bit cheaper or something like that but I do think it's a dilemma that a lot of startups have they want everything to be ethical but at the same time the industry's not the set industry's up for that yet set, it's not ready it, absolutely. yet absolutely it is so difficult to make that decision whether you're going to be... So I could get my stuff made in a factory now in England and everyone would think, oh, it's great being made in England. It's not the slave labour in England. And I didn't know that my sample was... The, the price they quoted me for this sample, I was nearly sick. I couldn't believe that somebody was... I know how long it takes to make a garment and I know obviously in a production line it's a lot quicker. But still, no, one, no one's being paid fairly for that garment with, and it really made me feel like quite but at the same time you can't expand without so I didn't go with that but I just want to say I didn't yeah. go with that factory but to expand yeah it's really really difficult to get everything right and to like you say tick every box because if I use bright colors in my jumpers that's amazing but the dye might be or the ink that's you know the dye or the ink or the printer whatever it is might not be ethical you know it's ethical, it, yeah. yeah it might what would be... be your advice then for anyone starting now because you obviously now loads and loads of startups it's at the forefront of their mind they want to do everything ethically so when that sometimes comes at a cost what would your advice be oh gosh toughy toughy to be i know i love it though i wish that i had been a bit more ethical from the start and if i could anything recyclable or anything like that i would have tried really hard to use that instead like packaging for example I love packaging just give the customer an experience that they like whether you've written on an old cereal box as a note card or something that might be your thing or you know something That's like so that but cute. you're I love that. yeah like, or you've got a little stamp and you just stamp it I thought oh it doesn't look professional if people use a stamp or it doesn't look professional if people handwrite things people love that shit people love personal touch and that's how small businesses thrive so if you can do things like that and invest in because it is a lot of money, that's the hard thing. It is a lot of money, even post bags. My post bags are like 10 times as much to get postal bags that are biodegradable. Even to the point where the bag company who sent me a sample didn't even send me a biodegradable one because they're that expensive. They sent me a normal one and I was like, God, these look good. So I messaged them, I was like, how can this be biodegradable? Because it looks to, oh no, we sent you a sample of... And I was like, well, they, I wanted to change. <laughs> I wanted to change, even though it's going to cost me so much money. So either try and work it into your costings at the beginning. And when you're working out your costings, which is another thing I thought, like, oh, yeah, I didn't know until at the beginning. I was like, oh, it's fine. My time is nothing. It doesn't matter that, you know, but your time is, your time is money. Just know that from the start, your time is money. Let's talk about your anxiety because you've mentioned it only just it's like recently. like woven. Yeah. Ah, so my anxiety is literally woven into every part of my brand. It, it is whether I like it or not. I first got diagnosed with general anxiety disorder at uni and didn't really know what it was. And I was like, oh. And then I've had a lot of wobbles and I take anxiety medication now, which is so good. Like now I found one that works. But so having my own business has, has really helped that because if I'm having a really wobbly day, I can just work from home or come in like a bit later and then try and get out of that anxiety slump sort of thing. But it really affects my design. It's sort of it's so hard because it affects my design in a way that's good because it makes me analyse everything and it makes me more creative to be anxious in a way. But it's always oh, it's, oh, it's crippling sometimes, like absolutely crippling. And also, I used to get anxious about the way I looked, the way I felt, that I had no self-confidence. And when I made my own clothes, because I couldn't find what I wanted in the high street, I would feel a bit better. Mm -hmm. So then that, I'm like, right, and I kind of want to push that. But then at the start, I didn't want to be trying to sell clothes through 
people's anxiety. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to profit on that sort of thing. I didn't want to be known as that because I overthink everything and I'm trying to be a nice person. You know, I am and hopefully I'm a nice person. So I just don't... Do you you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I don't want to... So I was quite careful of that. But then I think, well, sod it, this is... This is literally me. And I, the response I get when I just post something normal, like I made myself a grey, big, oversized hoodie. And I was like, made myself a hoodie because I feel rubbish today, which cheered me up. And people are like, oh my God, like, I, I, you know, it looks really cool. It looks really, or you look really comfy now, I'll go home and make a cup of tea or whatever. And it's quite nice having a little community. Or oh, another thing as well is using the same model or not loads of different sizes or skin tones. I don't. For ages, my entire Instagram grid was white girls with blonde hair. And I was like, are you joking? That's, it made me feel ill. And I was like, goodness me. So now, and it's just because, this is really like brutally honest, it's because I can't at the moment get past meeting someone to do a photo shoot and I can't afford to pay people for photo, to do photo shoots for me. So I always message girls on Instagram and I'm like, oh, I would love for you to represent my brand and I would love to take photos of you. Come and choose your favourite five items. And then I can't, somehow, I can't get round to actually doing it and meeting them because I'm so scared about whether they'll actually like the clothes it's ridiculous. So that, that when I'm, ha- I get really, really anxious about doing it. But that's what I want, m- like Do mostly. They say yes. Yeah, they say yes. But I get so terrified. It's ridiculous. Oh, sorry, that was a really big, no, like no, no. brutal overshare. No, 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 no. It's not ridiculous at all. I, I know a few people that suffer from anxiety, and I feel like you, you can't control it sometimes, can you? Yeah. So I feel like that's not ridiculous. I do think they'll love your stuff, though. In fact, oh. I know that they will. <laughs> but they say maybe yes, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I can do this. Then maybe I need a poster. Alongside, have you gone the extra mile today? It should say, Heidi, they're going to love your stuff. Have you booked a model? Have you booked a model? Book the model. It's just my organisational skills are dire, dire, because I get so worried. But I think you're brave in saying it out loud. And I think that it's good to talk about the fact that you do have days like that, because it's normal. It's more normal yeah, than you think it is. Yeah. I talk about everything I do, but I just I want to be as honest as possible all the time. Yeah. It's the best way. But I think small businesses, again, that's another thing you were saying about all those handwritten notes. That's what helps small businesses thrive. I think also having that direct relationship with your customer from the founder to the customer, that's another thing that makes a, yeah. a small business thrive. So you speaking about that, people just get to know you and they warm to you. Aww. And they also... I bet you anything. Now, if you ask, if they've listened to this, (laughs) you'll be like, do you want to come in and model? They'll say yes. You'll be like, oh, actually, don't worry. And then they'll be like, no, Heidi, I know you're scared. I'm coming. (laughs) I wish people were like, don't worry. I know you're you're worried, but just let's do it anyway. Because you can't ask someone. You can't be bold and ask someone to do something for you and then be worried yourself. Like, you need to just carry (laughs) on. But I'm like, what if I find this? Uh, Okay. We, oh need, we need some brave volunteers to just be like, Come on, guys. I'm coming in. <laughs> I would love that. I want to have a fit and feedback session where people come in, I can give them some drinks and then try on all the jumpers and see what they like and give me their feedback. But I'm too scared to organise, I'm too worried to organise it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Just before Christmas, I remember going on my phone and seeing a photo of you in your hospital oh. and thinking, shit what's happened to Heidi 
that was such a bizarre turn of events. For a week, I had had tummy ache, and I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm just really busy, you know. I'm stressed. I'm really busy. It's run up to Christmas. Classic, so run up to Christmas, putting it, you know, just putting everything... Down that to it stress. Can, yeah, putting everything down to stress, busy. This is all right. You're fine. Carry on. I thought, oh, maybe I'm just having a gangster period or something. But anyway, and that's the weirdest thing. I had no idea, because you're... This is a very interesting fact, unrelated, but if you're body can't localise pain in your stomach and your abdomen, it just centralises it. So for a week, my appendix was at, you know, birthing point, but I didn't know because my body just told me it was central. So I just thought it was something in my digestive system or something so strange. Anyway, I was actually having a wobble, a massive wobble, and I was like, you know, I'm run ragged. I need to just stop this Christmas. And for any small business, actually, everyone buys things in November and the early December, and by the 10th of December, they'll have bought everything pretty much. And if they're going to buy from an independent, they'll have already bought it. So give yourself a break over Christmas because you can pound Instagram for like that three weeks before Christmas, but no one will buy because they've already bought their things. Anyway, so I was like, I'm feeling really anxious. I remember crying to my dad on the phone because my mum was doing a market for me. And then I was like, I can't ring mum because she's doing something really nice for me. But that was when I was having a massive wobble and I was like, what am I doing? Am I just and being really anxious? And anyway, so I called dad and I was like, dad, I can't do it. He's like, all right, mate. Uh, you know, bless dad. Um, and I was like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then I was like, he's like, you know, if you've made your rent or whatever, and I said, look, I've made my rent money, I've made this, and I've done... He said, just go to, go home, just don't do it, and just take give yourself a bit of time and just say, look, guys, and just be honest with your customers and just say, look, guys, I can't do this. So I thought, woohoo, Monday the 10th, I remember it well. I was like, guys, I'm shutting shop, this is me, have, what, you know, the orders that have been made today or like have been taken today, I'll make them, but then that's it. And and then three days later, in hospital, couldn't move with an appendicitis or whatever, with a... Yeah, an infected appendix. And anyway, so the day of that, so I was just coming in, and because everyone thinks that I've stopped work on the 10th, and on Instagram, I've like, I've oh, stopped work. So everyone thinks, oh, she's on a jolly now, she's on a holiday. No, I've got to make all them orders that came in just at the weekend when I was pushing my last push. So I thought, oh, I've only got like 10 orders to do, it's all right. And then more orders, I kept taking more orders, because you do. And then I came in the Thursday, I was like, I'm going to get loads of these done, and then I need to have a break, because I'm mentally exhausted, and I'm mentally, physically exhausted. Anyway, and I can't get off the bus and I'm like oh, oh. and my intern at the time I was like Claire um here are the keys I'm just gonna take myself to a and and she's like are you all right and I was like oh. and because she'd come from Guildford I didn't want to then just send her home as soon as she arrived to the studio and I couldn't even climb the stairs so I was just like just go to the studio I'll be fine I'm just gonna get it checked because I think I'm a bit worried but I don't know anyway they'd slapped a wristband on me within five minutes and then I was in and I'd never been to hospital on my own I had to have a cannula in my arm and I'd never had that I was like where's yeah. my mum it was just awful but the thing is, when you're your own boss, you still have all these jumpers to make. So I was like, I ended up having 27 jumpers, I think, to make. Jumpers, dresses, and all different colours, sizes, whatever, from scratch. So cutting out the fabric, ordering the fabric even. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Meanwhile, just, you know, 31 hours of not eating or drinking anything and with a horrendous pain in my stomach. So mum just took my phone and then she's like, nothing for this weekend. And I wanted to Instagram it because I didn't, I didn't want to let my customers down. So I instantly put on Instagram, I was like, oh, guys, I'll be back to the studio on Monday making all the orders, don't worry. Apparently, appendix, well, it t takes a lot longer than two or three days to get over. Well, how did you get those orders done? <laughs> um, so I'm just thinking for anyone listening to this, it might not be, a you know, a burst appendix. Pen appendix. I was about to say appendix. 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 But, you know, anything, it could be, you know, personal stuff going on or, I don't know, some dodgy accident. Anything, like, life gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. So what would be your advice when something like that you cannot control gets in the way and your, your business is also... On the line, kind of, like needing, needing to... needing you. 
How did you manage that reality? Without my mum, I wouldn't have been able to at all. I'd basically, not, not saying it had to be my mum, but it just has to be somebody who knows you well enough. That you trust. That you trust and knows your business well enough. And then you have to say, look, you can tell everyone. They, can, they might, it was before Christmas as well, so you don't want to let anyone down. But I said to mum, can you message everyone and just make sure they know what's going on? And so she did all that. And then um, she messaged my intern and my assistant and they both, and my seamstress, they all like got together and set up a WhatsApp group. Then she said, where do I get this fabric? And without my mum sort of project managing it. And then I was like, yeah, <gasps> like, you know, everywhere I could try and like help. And then on the last day, my mum had come to London and she had uh, like a trapped nerve in her hip. And I was like, mum! And she's like, I thought she was just going to come and be the fairy godmother because she was doing such a good job. And so the girls were like, mum went, you've got a lot more orders than you thought you did, Heidi. And the girls were about to come in late. And I was like, oh my God, come in early and like finish late. But they did, they were amazing. And sometimes you've got to trust them because yeah. I'd, never given them, I'd never given them that much responsibility before. And they made all these jumpers. It was amazing. Of course, that doesn't stop there. You're not just manufacturing jumpers. You're actually packaging them up and yeah. lint rollering every single one and handwriting the notes every single one to say, oh, sorry, it might be a couple of days late. So I assumed that mum had done all that. So she's like, here it. And she came back to downstairs to the car when I was being driven home. This is like four days after my operation. I couldn't walk, couldn't sit up, couldn't do anything. And so she bought these bags and I was like, oh! You haven't packed them. And not like a brat or anything, but I was like, oh, God, we're good. that's so much work that we have to do, Mum. So anyway, yeah, I was in bed and I couldn't get out of bed. Mum went, right, I'll get him up the stairs. And I said, yeah, just pass me what I need and I'll be able to do it, but I just will do it laying down. And so that's what we did. But it took all day, yeah, all day. And then one of the dresses wasn't the right size. So I said, just send them this one. That one's really similar, so just send it. So she's got something to open because it was the husband who bought it for his wife. I didn't want her to be disappointed. So we ended up giving her like a £90 hoodie just because we didn't have the smaller one. And then she actually really wanted the smaller, the one without a hood. So then I ended up making and sending her that after Christmas. But I just didn't want anyone to be disappointed. So me and mum did it. Oh, and then we videoed it. And that was my most watched Instagram story ever. Purely because I was like, I literally looked like rubbish and then just didn't care. But I was like, I just want people to see that I care. Oh my God. And that came through so much. Oh. Like, like, I was watching that being like, holy crap. That goes back to a bit like being skin and you fear, you fear those moments happening. For me, the idea of touch wood, oh my God. But like the idea of anything happening like that before an event, for instance, I wouldn't know what to do. Your business is an extension of you, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what people can take from that experience, or at least what I've taken from that is that you get through it. Yeah, you just have something within you. When my wrists went, that was the first thing when I tried to do everything before. I'd just gotten two interns because I couldn't physically use my wrists. So both wrists were cast in slings and I was using my elbows. Do you know, did I tell you about that? I was using my elbows um, and a water bottle was big to hold the paper when I was grading patterns. I interviewed these two girls in sling, my arms in slings, and I was like, hi, you literally need to be my hands. And then they were like, okay, cool. And they were so, tolerance history, the best interns ever. And they'd never graded or anything. It's, really, it's quite difficult grading when it's quite scary when you're a student. And I taught them how to, to make gifts and to do all of this other stuff. And to, yeah, and they just had to do it. So you just have to, you have to trust somebody else to do it, do basically. You, work, you said students. Do you work with local colleges or something? Yeah. Oh, my youngest ones in the summer, they were 14. Oh so they were less than half, they were more than half my age. Does that make you feel and, old? Yeah, it does make me feel really... I, keep, I was like, no, we're the same age. And they're like, no, no, you're not. So people just ask me and I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm like, I've got to... 
manage children. Like, oh my God, I'm not an adult myself yet, let alone managing children. So I found I find that quite difficult and quite stressful, but I still do it because I liked, I would have loved that opportunity. I see it as like a little rocket. So I see it as like, when I'm feeling anxious and like thoughtful and like, gosh, am I doing this? I'll like be stood still in my rocket in space. And then when I have rested or when I feel less anxious, then I'm like, poof, and I can go because I feel woohoo, like fine. And I feel great. So it's just a lot of stop, starting, stop, starting. But you've just got to be all right with, being slow and then go when you can go. Rounding up then. Okay. Because we've gone through the mill a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. See, it's been an emotional <laughs> journey. I mean, when you do want to just switch off, what does downtime actually look like? Hmm. When I'm physically exhausted from working and can't actually lift a pen, a pair of scissors or push a pedal on a sewing machine, my brain is so, what, like, th thinking of designs and ideas all the time, so busy all the time. I just need to be totally submerged into someone else's, you know, with no distractions or anything. And so I always, I go to cinema at least once or twice a week because that's my sanity. I love the cinema. Solo cinema sesh, totally okay with that. I just sit there and I've got my little, I'll sneak in snacks and I feel really naughty. And then I'll sit there and for two hours I'll literally be like, whoa, in a film. And then my brain is quiet. I've got to, not got to answer to anyone. I'm not answering Instagram messages or I'm not checking in with anyone or I don't worry about what I'm looking like. I can just be in this little, oh, I love it. It's so, so true. That's it's my... why I, watch, I just go home and I could easily just watch Friends back to back or <gasps> I could switch on the Kardashians and people are like, you watch the Kardashians? And I'm like, well, no, I do actually because I don't have to think and I love it. Yes. I know what you mean. You just have to get lost in a different world sometimes, don't you? Yes. Oh, so a really good thing as well to get more chill time is move your business out of from where you relax if you can. I used to work from my lounge and then all I would think about when I was chilling in the lounge is like, oh, my thing's there and I could just put another seam on that jumper or I could just oh, try that design. And your brain had wonder the whole time. I know exactly what you mean. I, I turned a room in my flat into an office and I literally spent a week in there and I was like, nah, I'm going to drive to mum and dad's because I just had to get out of the flat. Oh, I yeah. I was like, I cannot be in this flat. I'm fine working on my own, but I can just sit there. I'm still on my own, but I'm out my flat. And I can go yeah. to work in the morning and I can come home. And I literally think that kept me sane. Yeah, Ish. having the studio is the best thing ever, like yeah. ever. Where do you see this business going? What do you want this business to look like in 10 years' time? <gasps> so I have this... 42. Oh, my goodness! Oh, when I'm 42, <laughs> oh I would love to have made a, and still be running, a, a positive impact with clothing, and I want to be making a positive impact in the world through my, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and my, the brand that I've created. UK, worldwide? Worldwide. <laughs> no, I, I did say when I first started, I wanted to be in every household in the UK. I wanted, wow. which is, I was like, whoa. And then, I, then that same day, I bought myself a Canon. I got a bit ahead of myself. I bought myself a Canon for when I made my first million. <laughs> My wife was like, what's that? And I was like, it's a ginormous cannon, confetti cannon. So like, it's for oh, when I make I myself... you meant like a camera. I was like, surely... No, anyway. no, no, no. You literally bought yourself a confetti, a confetti cannon. cannon. Yeah, so I thought I could put it on the wall when I had a studio and then I could look at it and be like, imagine that day. And to this day, I've still got it and no one's allowed to use it or pop it. It's hidden. 
in my house so no one cracks it out at a party. Oh my god, please warn everyone <laughs> when that moment is coming so we can all watch it. It's so sad, isn't it? No, I actually <laughs> love that. I feel like I need something like that. That's hilarious. Anything else? It has to be a nice working environment for absolutely everybody involved because we've both, she's come from an awful, awfully bitchy, very high up, very high fashion companies that she's worked for. Super bitchy, so we just want a lovely, I want it to be a lovely company to work for. Like, lovely. I want people to love coming to work. Like, I love coming to work. Even if I have a factory where people are making my stuff, I say, oh, I don't want it to be white and bland. I want it to be lovely for the environment for everyone to work with. And obviously, fair trade and they're getting paid the right amount and their working conditions are nice. But also, not anxiety thing, but like a mental health check-in type thing. And it's like, how are you, somehow, that makes it not uncomfortable for anybody, but we just need to have someone saying, like, how's it all going? If there's something in the background, some people don't talk about it at work, mm. but I want people to be able to, you can feel a certain way and then it's totally fine that we can just work around that and stuff. But I just want it to be, rather than like, because <gasps> my friend is coming to work for me, but she lost her granddad. It was like show week and she crying in the toilet she just found out but wasn't allowed to go back to Cornwall to go to the funeral so this this company was just like no you can't do that it's not not gonna happen it's the busiest time of the year and then her other boss came to her and was like oh uh, this and like like gesticulated like around her face this can't happen at work um go and sort yourself out like it was just an awful and that's just one of the billion things that have happened so I just never ever want that to go on in my company ever Heidi. Yes. We're going to end with some statements. I say something, you finish the sentence. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Being my own boss means... Never dreading coming to work. Ever. That was quite concise. Yeah, that was. But what about when you come to work? Except then. <laughs> Except then. <laughs> um, when it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to... Ask a friend who you trust to help you look objectively at whatever's not going to plan and then ask them to help, ask for help, basically. And then take a bloody break, because you probably need it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I could go back to day one of my business, I would tell myself that... You cannot do it all is what I would say and just be more confident in what you want to do because it's all right that you want to do you know you want to do that that's fine whatever you choose to do it's fine just be more confident doing it and then find a maker or a seamstress because I would be like way ahead had I let someone sew for me two years ago if I had to describe myself as a businesswoman I would say that <laughs> I am most definitely am not <laughs> <laughs> I can't describe myself oh, as a businesswoman I, I just feel too Oh, it's a, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's very hard. If I had to describe myself as a bit... What do, what do you mean by that, just off the... I guess I could just throw some random adjectives out that you like, that you associate with... Oh, kind of hard, sorry, I'm being really basic. Yeah, so if I, if I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, I would say that I am nice, or try and be nice <laughs> and approachable. I feel like you should give yourself more credit. I don't know what to say! <laughs> <laughs> This is where I'm like, I've got nothing. Super creative. Really oh, okay. Okay, so I'd be... Absolutely lovely. Oh. All of that. I'll do it. I'll describe you. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Thank um, you. <laughs> last one then. The big one. Oh, you've kind of, you've kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I want my legacy to be that... I've made people happy. Oh. That's why. I... That's cute. <laughs> I love it. That's a, do you know what though? That's such a good one. Is it? Yeah. Do people? Happy. Does everyone say that? No. You remind me of um, Emily Coxhead. 
I love her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like love her. the version of Emily. She is the most brilliant human being ever to walk this planet. She's so happy and yeah. buzzing and okay. very real. Yeah, real. Yeah, I love her. Thanks, Heidi. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.